0: Ten percent takes, sometimes takes as long as, as the rest of it because of the d- fine details, but uh, I'm happy with the progress. And at the moment I'm in uh, my room in Palo Alto. I'm um, here for a few things, some editing sessions and also s- um, some, looking at some landscaping stones materials for Audaria doing a little uh, um, artwork there on the on the grounds if you will so that's what I'm up to go ahead and uh, take the questions I can't hear you
1: so far we only have three questions uh, but I'm sure we'll get more. Um as people come on. So um, the first person is Eric.
2: Uh, Dandavat Pranams. uh, Good morning, Maharaj, nice to see you. Good morning. So um, my question is regarding something I heard uh, from Srila Prabhupada, one of something that I read a little while ago, wherein he says, unless we understand that this place is miserable, there is no question of how to get out of it. A person who doesn't develop this understanding is not fully developed. Just like the animals, they do not understand what misery is, they're satisfied. So that last, those last two sentences especially were a bit confusing to me because, um, you know, often, you know, I've heard that, you know, the characteristic of material life, like the prime characteristic of it is that a person's always dissatisfied that, you know, things never live up to their expectations and, you know, things that are temporary are always, you know, dissolving and going away. Uh, Whereas, if I remember correctly, in Bhagavad Gita and other places, you know, uh, a self realized person is usually described as being satisfied or, you know, so it seemed kind of to be kind of a little the opposite of what I expected. So I was a little confused by by that, if you could clarify. Yeah, what Prabhupada is referring to is
0: the fact that although material life is unsatisfying um, as would be the life of a fish outside of water. um, Nonetheless, that said, most of the living entities within the material world at any given time have not realized that fact. Have not come to the point of exasperation um, and uh, acknowledging um, the fact, and therefore living with a dis with an ongoing kind of discontent hmm, that. Um, And that kind of material exhaustion then gives them the impetus to turn towards a comprehensive solution. So a transcendentalist is looking for a comprehensive solution um, and his or her intelligence uh, thereby will be influenced by the quality of sattva. Others influenced by whose intelligence is more influenced by Radhas and Thomas Rajas, for example, will be continuing to seek a problem and see temporary solutions or relative improvements, you know, to be building upon the prospect of an ultimate um, solution. And so some people are, yes, there's an overall discontent, but they haven't reached the point of. Of um, um, kind of an, a a kinchinagotra, they're exhausted uh, with the with the pursuit of finding uh, enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure. So, um, yes, there's an overall discontent, but it builds up and becomes sufficient impetus for some at some point uh, to pursue a a transcendental objective. Um, But obviously, as Prabhupada was saying, it doesn't happen to everybody, right? So they're experiencing some measure of contentment or they think there's still a prospect of contentment or they're settling for what they have. The animals are settling for what they have, of course, they're in a different situation than in, in ourselves, we don't have to settle for it. But then again, the Bhagavatam describes most people as which means a two
2: le- legged animals. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Oh, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, I made a lot of sense. Thank you.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Um, Sajan.
3: Just have to unmute yourself. smaraj. Pretty Um, I sent you a quest. I sent you a, a question just shortly after the last satsang. Um, did you receive that by email?
0: Yeah, I did. I just remember now that you sent that. And um, for the, uh, rest the rest of the audience, Sajan's question was that he's writing something for a publication and um, he asked me, if I recall, if there's anything that I can think of that resembles a statement from the Bible, which says something to the effect that whenever two or three gather in my name, um, I'll be there. Just calling my <laughs> name and I'll be there. Um, yes. And I wanted to reply, I, I was going to, I forgot, but I actually, uh, I don't know of any particular statement, but what does come to mind is a beautiful uh, discussion um, uh, between a couple of um Prabhupada's disciples who had come under the good guidance and shelter of Pujapat Sridhar Marsh one evening on his veranda, as you know, Sajan. Of being a disciple of Pujapad Siddha Maharaj, that uh, Guru Maharaj would speak with us often from his veranda in the morning and in the evening. And um, extensively actually, he's, some days he'd speak two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. And the, and the talks were fortunately recorded. Uh, the interest of the disciples of Prabhupada and members of ISKCON who were coming to him at that time their interest in Krishna consciousness was so um, acute that um, he felt very inspired. Once he said, if I was only had a group like this when I was younger, we could have really done something. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that that said, um, relative to your question, and my mind went immediately there when I I read your question. Um, And there may be an answer there. Um, I don't know where to find it, but um, uh, he was talking with um, maybe one other devotee, maybe one one disciple of Prabhupada or, or two, and it was in the evening and he was speaking And in the contact courses speaking, Prabhupada came up and he began to speak about Prabhupada. And um, at a certain point, he became very emotional. And then he referred to a passage somewhere, and this is what you're looking for, um, in the uh, writings of the alwars. Alwars Alwars are the mystic poets who preceded the Sri Sampradaya as it was systematically articulated, it's its with Siddhanta by Ramanuja. Um, so they, what you find in the teachings of Ramanuja are there in the poems of the Alawars, very special uh, persons who are in that they're considered incarnations of the different paraphernalia of, of Narayan, like his discus, his, his chakra, his club, and so on and so forth. Um, and so somewhere in that writing, there's this, he referred to this statement that uh, very, very, very similar, that two um, or three, I think it was three, the uh, um, mystics, maybe they were all three, all of us, they had to ho- ho- hold up in a cave during the monsoon. Mm-hmm. And there they began to speak amongst one another, Harikata, mm-hmm. speak about Bhagwan and so forth. And somewhere, and again, I, 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 I I don't know if the verse or exactly what it was said, but the spirit of it was that, that wherever the three of them gathered, two or three gathered and spoke about him, he was present, so they felt his presence. And Pujapad Sri is saying this in the context of speaking about Prabhupada.
3: Wow.
0: And, and what he was saying is that Prabhupada is present I feel his presence. Here we are, two or three of us together, speaking about him, and he's actually present here. <laughs> it's very like, to hear, hear, I wasn't there personally, but I heard it on the tape, it was make your hair stand on end. Uh, very, very exciting. So the principle is there. Um, and you, you might, you know, yeah, you're, 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 what you're writing for probably doesn't require a verse in a number necessarily. So you could oh. <laughs> re- re- use that maybe in some way to, uh, to give a cross-cultural uh, reference from Christianity to Hinduism. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, thank you, Maharaj. I, I'm so extra delighted that uh, my question brought uh, your response not only to the cave of the Alhwar's but, uh, but brought you to the veranda of Srila Guru Maharaj.
0: That's right. And, and Prabhupada.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes. So thank you so much again. Thank you. Haribo. Haribo. Okay. Uh, Brigu?
1: What's going on with them? We're not hearing you, pod.
0: Can't see, can't hear.
1: can see, oh, There she is, she's trying to do something.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dandamarka Guru Maharaj. Hi, Hare Krishna. We had a question here uh, from, from one of the, our, our uh, members here in our group about Laukika Shraddha and uh, Shastriya Shraddha, if you could if you could elaborate on on the difference between these two. Uh, and then also uh, regarding to
3: the the previous question, we thought of this verse Naham Tishtami yoginam Bhakta,
0: I am not present in Vaikuntha, I am not in the hearts of the yogis, right. but where my devotees sing, there I am present. So that right, might be something for a good reference for Sajjan, yes, yes, that's a famous
3: verse.
0: Where is that found? Yeah, where, where is that verse? It's a Puranic verse, right? I'm not in Vaikuntha. I'm not in the hearts of the yogis. I am wherever my devotees are chanting my name. I'll look it up, the reference, and send it to you.
3: Oh, wonderful, thank you again.
0: Okay, thank you for that, Prabhupada. Regarding your question, um, thank you for that. Uh, Of course, Lokik means worldly, and Shastra here refers to that, which speaks about that which we could not know about or understand with our limited resources of physical, mental, and intellectual. This is the main purpose of the Shastra or the sacred texts. While the sacred texts do speak about things that we could know with our material faculties, those things are only things that are employed in speaking about that which we could not know with those Limited resources. That's a fairly important point um, because it draws upon the relative, hmm, as it must, to speak about the absolute to those who are um, conditioned materially and are uh, living in, you know, the relative world, if you will, hmm, of comings and goings uh, here today and gone tomorrow type of experience. So it's important then um, to sort out what information there is being employed to speak about something which we could not know otherwise. In other words, let's say, for example, we draw, in order to do that, we, we uh, draw on an analogy to help conceptualize. Um, and the at- analogy is dealing with something in nature that was thought to be true at the time, but with the investigation of the natural world in, with more penetrating instruments and over a longer period of time, you might see that nature works differently than was thought of at that time. As in the future we may see, nature works differently than we think it does now. So there's some, maybe be some relativity in the analogy, hmm? um, but what it's see, speaking to say um, about that, which is beyond the can of our material instruments, nonetheless holds true. Just a point as an aside. So the main purpose of the scripture is to speak to us about that which we could not know otherwise. Um, that's the what revelation means. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to know perfectly, or if we want to acquire perfect knowledge by which we could become perfectly happy, we need a perfect method. So this is the perfect method, as I sometimes say, you have to fold your hands. Mm-hmm. You ask that we are in imperfection, we want to know perfection. So if perfection chooses to reveal itself to us, then we will know. But from within imperfection, we can't bring about uh, perfection. This is the idea. So so, um, lokik shraddha, or worldly faith, in one sense could refer to faith that is born under the modes of nature. Krishna speaks about this in the Gita. I forget which chapter, 17th chapter, perhaps. Um, um, And uh, I think Arjun's question is you know, what is the nature of faith and what is the result of faith that people have in God that's not drawn from the scripture? It may be. uh, well, India is fond of making up gods and goddesses as they go, as they go along. Uh, for for example, in the Bhagavad, another example, Krishna asked Arjun, uh, Excuse me, Krishna asked Nanda his father, that you know you're performing this sacrifice for for uh, Indra. Does it have any Basis in scripture, in 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 the the disciplic uh, succession through the through the sages through which the 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 um, shastras is is passed down, or is it just a? I'm looking for the word. Is it just a um, local uh, superstition hmm? Um, amongst the people and so on and so forth? So. Um, Krishna in the Gita, referring back to that chapter, then speaks about faith in this mode, under this mode of nature, under that mode of nature, and in the end, he says, of course, nasa nam paramgatim. That faith in God that is not, uh, and in the subsequent action, because if we have faith, we can go forward, right. It's the animating principle in life. and Krishna points that out in that chapter. Uh, a person is their faith. Mm-hmm. It's the animating principle. The, con- co- the contrasting statement poetically of Ramarsh, Suspicion leads to suspension. Mm-hmm. So if we're suspicious, we, 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 our, our animation is suspended. Mm-hmm. So if people are moving according to their faith, in a sense, they are there their faith. And if that faith is uh, born out of the modes of nature, it's going to have a corresponding um, result, which is less than transcendental. Mm-hmm. If that faith comes from the Nirguna, from beyond the uh, governing modes of the world, the modes of nature, tamas then it can have a transcendental effect. Um, in To go from Bhagavad Gita to the Uddhava Gita, where Krishna is speaking to Uddhava, um, Krishna goes a step further um, when he says, uh, "Thomasic faith is like this, rajasic faith is like this, I forget exactly what he says. Sattvic faith is faith, faith in, in the scripture and transcendental faith is faith in me. Hmm? Um, So uh, uh, sattvic faith is faith in the efficacy of scripture, but then uh, uh, to get to actual understanding of bhakti and um, um, you could say there's a difference between all the Puranas, for example, and the Bhagavatam, right? Amalam, Pramanam, Amalam, Puranam, mm, Advaishnavanam, Priyanam, mm, um, such as the Bhagavatam, Nigamakalpataro, Galitam, Phalam, of the tree, metaphorically speaking of Vedic knowledge, which is many branched, you were talking about scripture, has many branches of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. The ripened fruit, which falls from the tree, falam, uh, 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 galitam, falam galitam means fallen. So the tree, the Bhagavatam is so nice because it's the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic literature, and you don't have to risk much to climb up and pick it, it falls down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then then it's tasted by Sukadev and he passes it, it's even sweeter, he adds to it, and so forth. Uh, it's a very compelling verse, probably, you know, maybe my favorite verse of the Bhagavatam, the third verse of the first chapter of the three introductory verses, <inaudible> So it implores us, you should taste that fruit and it will make you pass out. And what should you do when you get up? Okay, taste it again, drink it again. Mm. So um, so we could say even faith in Shastra is general, it's sattvic, the symptom of sattvic faith is that it brings knowledge. Mm. But knowledge um, corresponding as it does with sattva is Insufficient in them itself, even for transcendental result. Uh, for that, we need, as I say, in, ingress or input from from the from the, the nirguna side itself. And such is the nature of um, of, of uttam bhakti, which is the subject of the bhagavatam. So, um, so there may be general faith in God. There may be superstition. There are books like Conversations with God I mentioned the other day. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably not a good thing to read <laughs> uh, what somebody's imagination is, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and, and whereas faith that's derived from 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 revelation is it, revelation is really, and we, scripture being a prominent um, expression of that revelation, is. Uh, really an invitation from the absolute for having a conversation. Marsh used to refer to the pranava omkar, the primal sound of the scriptures as an affirmation. Yes. In other words, human life itself is a question. Why? Why? It's a qualitative question. So qualitative questions, are not about the natural world, which is quantitative in nature. It's about consciousness, which is spooky, qualitative. You can't measure it. It's the measurer. Ruler can't measure itself. It's, It's of a different nature altogether than that, which is measured. Maya is that which can be measured or the thought that I can measure it all. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so the qualitative question, the Atma in human life, it, the self is is has risen out of the the clutches or the confines of material nature enough to ask about itself. That's what why I means why do I exist? Do I? Is there a? There seems to be a purpose that that transcends or goes beyond what meets the eye and and the mind. And in fact, as I often say, now the Olympics are playing out in in Japan. You know, this is all about going one ten thousandth of a second faster, or you know, exceeding the limitations what were thought to be the physical limitations. We have this sense as humans that we can, we can. We shouldn't be limited. Hmm. This is, from our perspective, this is the Atma. Hmm. Feeling itself. So human life is the question. It is a question. Why? And the scripture is the answer. Hmm. Let's talk about it, Krishna says. Hmm. In other words, you you can't get that answer from material nature. Hmm. Hmm. Because it's quantitative in nature rather than qualitative. So if you want to know about consciousness, you have to ask from consciousness. You can't ask the unconscious for information about consciousness. right? So the spark has to turn towards its source and, and revelation is, is the source, if you will, in, a, in, a, in a, speaking about it, 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 it itself. And in the broadest sense, the of Omkar as is, Puja is Pachuttamarshi says, is an affirmation, what you're looking for, that there's more meaning and purpose. I agree with you, there is. Yes, it's a fact, um, but, uh, and that's heartening. Then there are thousands of other statements to point out that you're looking, how you're looking in the wrong direction for it. and What's the right direction to look in and so on and so forth. So, um, so faith derives from, from the absolute reaching out to us and providing information about itself is categorically different than faith that we may uh, arrive at simply through the exercise of the functions of our uh, um, material conditioning. In other words, our bodies, our minds, our intellect are all products of karma, which are all the problem that we find ourselves in bound up in in in, in the uh, um, action reaction of of karma so they're not suitable instruments for getting beyond themselves under themselves and they may be used in relation to revelation obviously we use our mind we use our intelligence we engage ourselves physically according to the um, um suggestions of the sacred texts and so forth that way they have um, utility, but under themselves they don't afford us the um, the purchasing power for real estate and transcendence in a land beyond beyond death. So therefore, as I say in the chapter of the Gita that I referred to, the beginning of my answer it talks about different types of faith Krishna says. <inaudible> So that faith, the animating principle, which causes us to move mm-hmm. that is that is not derived from revelation, that's not going to bring you siddhi, perfection, nasukam, not It's not gonna ultimately make you happy and uh, enable you to attain paramgatim by the supreme destination. Mm-hmm. Does that help? I can't hear anybody on the other side.
1: Uh, I'm I'm here. Um
0: Rigu is there. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Okay.
1: Is it
0: okay. All right.
1: Okay, so we have a question on the chat um mm-hmm. from Anapurna, and it's in Spanish. Can you see it? Um It's yeah, because she sent it to me directly, and I can't read it because I'm <laughs> not, not knowing it. Um, what I'll do, let's see if I can just copy it. So
0: I'll do that. Guys, just to refer back to Sajjan for a moment, Sajin, if if you can look on the comments, there must be somebody. And the, the verse that you're looking for is cited there.
3: Yes, I see so, it right now. I see it. Thank you so much uh, okay. to uh, to those to Indira Bahia and those d- devotees who have helped out. So thank you so much.
1: Okay. Okay, you should be able to.
0: Not clear on the question that there are there are thousands of ashrams in <laughs> Um Maybe you mean mean the islands. Navadweep refers to nine islands. And um, if you assuming that that's what um, she means by the question, then the nine islands are. Um, Named from uh, based on local circumstances, environment, and and, and happenings, and so forth, and I think that the the details of that are uh, is explained in Navadweep Babaturanga of 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 Thakur and or Navdweep Mahatman, also by the same author, um, and I don't remember all the Shiman uh, Dweep, Godum Dweep, and so forth. You know how they got those particular names, but uh, there is as either some pastime or um, some prominent feature of the island that causes it to have the name. The bigger picture, of course, is that they correspond uh, with the different angas of bhakti given by Prahlad in Srimad Bhagavatam, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, um, and, and, and so forth. Um, So that's the best I can do is refer you to those texts of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. And I I believe he gives maybe a a pastime or as I say, a prominent feature of each of those geographical, if you will, uh, as they appear, they're not limited to geographical area, but uh, appearance of such limitation for Leela, some prominent feature of that sacred geography that um, gives Um, birth to the names
1: okay we have a very unusual situation today that we have run out of questions so um does anyone who's on the call that didn't tell me they had a question have a question you can unmute yourself and and ask it
4: i have a question oh good yes good morning Uh, I was interested in hearing from you how um, you would justify in modern terms what modern science is seeing in space as far as it seems unlimited universes with the descriptions that we have in the Bhagawat. How, how we would make some, how we'd, what we, what would be your ideas in regards to that? Because it seems that their, their classifications of universes and the Bhagawat's classifications of universes being a shell covered by layers of, by the different elements would be hard to reconcile.
0: Yeah, thank you for the question. Uh, I have thought about that a little bit, but um, I, there's probably a couple of ways um, to think about it. First of all, um, the Gita speaks of many universes, but it's not clear what is meant by the broad term that we translate universe. Is the universe a, a universe as it's thought in modern science, or is it a galaxy hmm. as it's as, as this universe has, w- of which this universe apparently has many, according to the uh, uh, present uh, uh, modern way of investigating? Uh, so, um, um, of course, there's a multiverse theory, uh, prominent theory, or hypothesis, I guess I should say, in modern science that that there are many universes. And um, um, again, whether that is what the is speaking about um, uh, is not not clear. just to, just to translate the word Jagat, you know, the world into universe, for example, um, the Jagat Ishwar, um, from whom Jagats come, worlds come. So, um, anyway, many worlds. Um, well, I guess um, what I would say um, besides that,
3: um,
0: uh, is that the investigation of the universe, space, um, by modern science is 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 uh, something that is always turning up uh, new um, uh, new possibilities and. Uh, and it's, it, it seems uh, fathomless. Um, and in one sense, um, it uh, gives credibility to the idea that Krishna is appearing in different universes at different times. And, uh, um, and there are ideas in modern science that there's there's a universe right here next to my left ear. There's one that going on next to my right ear and above my head. I don't even know what all that means, to be honest with you, from a scientific um, uh, point of view, but it's very like esoteric, the way it's spoken of um, And um, so in 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 one sense, the way it's talked about uh, broadly makes for this like a magical you know type of, um outer space, if you will, or um, yeah, space that we're all contained within. But your question um, seems to refer, if I understand it correctly more to the idea well here is you know these are so many planets and and um, that's all that are described and and then of course then there's the, the coverings um, and so forth that aren't um, talked about at all in the um, in the Bhagavatam, or should be in modern science. Those coverings and all that, that description is from the Sankhya.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So the Sankhya, it was the dominant way of looking at the natural world mm-hmm. that was drawn upon from the Buddhists in their texts, um, and Hindus and the uh, and others, um, um, and the and the Bhagavatam incorporates the uh, Sankhya perspective of nature of what's out there, hmm? the 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 counting sankya of the different of all the that, that's all made up of, if you will, and. Um, it uh, then incorporates that Sankhya philosophy or theory into the, its text, the Bhagavatam, in its own way. Mm-hmm. So if you take the Sankhya philosophy, um, Bhagavatam adapts it in part, and then uh, it actually, theolo- uh, how would I want to say, uh, uh, it uh, in the sanghi philosophy is not theistic, so the Bhagavatam turns it into a theistic. It takes that model, uses it, but what for? To make the point ultimately that the whole thing is, in order for it to 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 to, to run as it does, the world requires consciousness behind it. And ultimately, um, even the sparks that make it go, the jiva are, well, sparks of the fire, you know, supreme consciousness behind it. That's not part of the Sankhya philosophy. So in that sense, the main point that the Bhagavatam is, 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 is putting out there is that there's God, there, there's consciousness, Conscious, consciousness is not limited by time and space, it makes the whole of material nature um, animate. It animates it. Mm-hmm. And it deposits subtle uh, form of matter and a gross form of matter. Now, these things, a gross form of matter and a subtle form of matter, you know, those can come into a discussion of, 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 of modern, modern science. It tends to dismiss subtle matter but in trying to understand consciousness and reduce it to gross matter it's having great difficulty so a good number of people in the scientific community are starting to posit the possibility of a subtle form of a matter or that their consciousness underlies everything and so forth and so these are you know I realize this is beyond your, your, what you're asking precisely but it's, 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 it's related um, and the point I'm making here is that Bhagavatam is speaking about the natural world in a way that in some senses is relatable to the findings of of modern science, especially as science tries tries to look at and understand um, uh, consciousness. Um, Otherwise, one way to answer your question is that, well, the Bhagavatams imported the the contemporary perspective on the natural world, which was the sanket perspective into its fold with the purpose of speaking about that, which as I said earlier, we could not know otherwise about the nature of the Godhead, Bhagavan definitively, for that matter, about the nature of consciousness in which we are also constituted, and so forth, which would then make the sanki perspective hmm, relative. Hmm. And I think that Bhagavad Gita would look at it like that, if need be, and say, well, the sanki talks about the world like that. Modern science talks about the world like this. Pick which one you want. Hmm. Um, but in either case, what's important is that consciousness is driving the whole show, and that is tenable. Uh, that that idea is something that um, has power, even in the modern narrative as to the nature of the of the of the, of the, of the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um. Now. Of course, I have written about this in my book, Sacred Preface. And there are some, I mentioned there that there are some people who have looked at the Sankhya perspective on the world and feel it has more credibility um, than it would seem to the uninformed person who hasn't explored it more in, in greater depth and at the same time doesn't have much depth in modern science? So um, there are some who have uh, looked for kind of a fusion, if you will, between this ancient idea of the natural world and the modern ideas. And uh, found that there's their, 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 that they can you know, benefit from one another. I'm not an expert um, in that. Um, uh, if you go back more directly, precisely to your question, one of the things that is um, uh, important, I think, to consider is when you look at the Bhagavatam and you look at the planetary systems. And the coverings of the, of that are of said to be the coverings of the nature, earth, water, fire, and so forth. From there, look at Brihad Bhagavatamrita. And what we're really talking about is uh, different planes of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So when Prabhupada was going to build, for example, in Mayapur, a planetarium, mm, um, Based on the Bhagavatam, to compete with the modern scientific perspective, which was not theistic, Pujipat Shridharma recommended build it like Brihat Bhagavatamrita. hmm? Rather than like physically, this is what's happening here, this is what's happening there, and so forth. So the whole thrust of the Bhagavatam is consciousness. Consciousness is primary, consciousness is behind everything, right? Um, Everything is consciousness in a sense, even your body. Is your consciousness? You are your body. <laughs> From that perspective, it's it's it, your present state of consciousness is, ex, is expressed in relation to the material world, and the material world takes that shape. So consciousness behind everything, right? Gross matter is evolving out of subtle matter. That that has credibility. That theory, which is the Vedic theory. Um, um, in, 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 or the Gaudiya Vedanta theory. Um, um, but in, in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, we, we're, we're getting the, the nectar essence of the Bhagavatam. And Siddhanta so Gustami is taking us to different planes of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's more. Um, Essential and, and, and relevant way of um, speaking about the world. I mean, he does talk up there about earth. He does talk about the coverings of, uh, you know, the, those material coverings. But he's talking about them as playing as, as as realms of conscious experience. For Gopal Kumar, for example, enters into the earth element. He meets the goddess Bhumi. Mm-hmm. and braha mm-hmm. the, uh, the the boar avatar of of, 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 of Vishnu mm-hmm. it, so it's it, you know it's not like earth fire you light a match it, it's, it's much more to it and uh, and so and again Gita is speaking about it as planes of, of conscious experience you the, 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 there's apparently entities living in the earth um, Elevant, so it's useful to to look at it all as far as possible from the Bhagavatam's perspective, and then I think that you're not really looking at some comp- this two competitive ideas that are talking exactly about the same thing. Hmm? Uh, they're, they're they're looking from an entirely different angle with an entirely different worldview. Hmm? when you try to make them as competing narratives per se, literally, you know, it kind of breaks down and who understands each of them. Someone may understand modern science very well, but have a very superficial understanding, if at all of Sankhya and vice versa, or one might have a very deep understanding of either one. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Again, the idea that uh, consciousness is primary, we're a unit of consciousness, um, and there are different planes of experience that correspond with different levels of God consciousness or the individual conscious entity coming uh, in the proximity of its source, mm-hmm. and then you know seeing the world from that vantage point and so forth. Then I think um, uh, that's maybe a better way to look at um, um, what's being described there in in the in the, in the, in the Bhagavatam, in terms of the uh, the coverings and uh, and uh, the universe and so forth. Um, again, I to look at them as just competing narratives is kind of kind of where a question arises out of, and I, I don't think that's the way to approach it and and my reverence to Brihavagva Tamrita,
3: hmm.
0: which is a whole different way of thinking about it, right? Planes of conscious possible experience that through sadhana one can come to. Um, I hope that helps. Uh, I'm open to your further questions or thoughts. Duval Chandra.
4: No, that's, that's great. Thank you so much. I appreciate okay. that.
0: Okay,
1: so Sajjan has another question.
0: I mean, again, just for uh, just say that uh, once again, in another way the whole pr- thrust of the Bhagavatam is to use the natural world, to talk about it in such a way as to promote the position of the personality of God and that of the Jiva. So that's his purpose. So, how it talks about it is for, is for that purpose. What the modern science is talking about is for a different purpose. Sajan, your question?
3: Yes, thank you, Maharaj. Um, earlier, you mentioned the collective body of the Puranas, out of which, of course, the Bhagavatam is supreme, we consider. Um, have you ever um, explored the, uh, there's quite a substantial portion, the final portion of the uh, the Brahma Purana is all about apparently about Radha and Krishna, and even Radha is mentioned directly by name, unlike the Bhagavatam. Have you ever explored that, or do you have any, anything to say about that?
0: Yeah, I do. First of all, um, when you say, as you did, you know, well, you know, we say that Bhagavatam is the, you know, supreme Purana and so forth. Actually, it's not just we, it's very objective. Um, of course, Jiva Goswami, spoke about it in his Tatvasandarva um, very systematically showing um, the relevance of the Bhagavatam and how it exceeds the relevance of all other uh, manifestations of the sacred text. But that whole argument aside, just looking at it from a modern point of view, mm-hmm. um, the Bhagavatam's popularity, the Bhagavatam has been translated into into so many different languages. There are like, oh, I think over 80 Sanskrit commentaries on the Bhagavatam. Um, um, and um, it's been, uh, uh, you know, all over India, the Bhagavatam is known, and all the Sampradayas and the and the rest of the world knows about the Bhagavatam. I mean, who who knows about the, the you know, the, the Brahma, you know, Purana or the, this Purana or that a little bit here or there, but there's no comparison. And from a literary point of view, the sophistication of the language and the theology and so forth—there's just no comparison hmm, between the theology of and the philosophy, the richness of it, the, the nuance of it in the Bhagavatam compared to any other Purana. They just don't compare. It's of a, it's a different class altogether. So you can make a whole argument, even from the modern point of view, and, and, and there wouldn't be too many people that would argue against it. No, no, no. No, this piranha is better, you know, uh, uh, more significant. You, you, you couldn't make a, make a very good argument for that. Um, and, of course, Goswami's perspective is that they're speaking according to different modes of nature for different people, hmm? which is a very interesting point because it speaks about the, quite an extensive measure of relativity to the scripture. Because first you might hear it's absolute, the scripture, you know, but it's full of relativity. So here's a book. A Purana that's for the people in them, primarily influenced by, by Tamaguna. Here's someone, primary, one primarily influenced by Rajaguna or Satvaguna. They're going to say different things. They're going to seem to contradict. Hmm. Um, he's resolving these contradictions in ways that um, modern people have said, well, these are just competing authors, you know, for political purposes have written their piranhas you know, in, in certain ways. So, obviously mean, like it obviously has a different perspective on it. Mm. So, um, that said, um, what was your question now uh, exactly again? Uh,
3: um, whether you were a little bit familiar with that uh, rather large portion about Radha? Oh, the Brahma sure.
0: Vivarta Purana. Okay, the mm-hmm. Brahma Bhavarta Purana. Yes, the Brahma Bhavarta Purana. Also, you can find um, mention of Radha in, I think, in the in the Padma Purana. Uh, perhaps uh, Vishnu Purana, you can find names of different uh, participants in the Lila that aren't in the Bhagavatam mm. um, and so forth. But these uh, Puranas, the difference is they're not, there's no rasa in them. You can't read them hmm, and have, through reading the prospect, of being drawn into the Leela in such a way as to have affinity for that. Like when Jiva Goswami rewrites the Bhagavatam Leela, the Prakat Leela in, in his Gopal Champu, hmm? <laughs> at the end, the very end of Gopal Champu, he says, so I have step-by-step step gone through the pastimes, hmm? Whichever one inspires you, uh, of these different rasas. He said, I've gone through, through the. Does it, it. The Prakat lila the manifest lila is also called the Kram lila because it goes through different steps. So Krishna is born, Krishna passes through his childhood, he becomes to boyhood, he goes to adolescence, and so forth. The Aprakat Leela is not like that. Mm-hmm. All those are there, but in different Prakashas and different windows and so forth. So the, the Kram Lila's, is more human like, right? It goes through the whole. The whole so, so, so he's laying down the the Prakat Leela says, I've given it step-by-step step, and I've discussed all the different rasas. Pick which one inspires you and, and enter into it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what he says. And so what he's done is, he, he, and the other Goswamis, of course, in their Leela gruntas, they've done what the Bhagavatam does and they've done it exponentially. You know, They've increased it to, to, to speak about the Leela in such a way is that one can be drawn into it hmm, and develop an attraction for um, uh, one of the rasa, the principal rasas, like the Bhagavatam? As I said, it has three basic centers
3: mm-hmm.
0: it has the Vatsalya center, Sakya rasa center, and the Madhurya rasa center. Vatsalya rasa means it's, it's two, three, four chapters surrounding the Damodar Leela. Hmm? the Vatsalia of Mother Yasoda is, is brought out <laughs> and then you have the you know bring beginning with you know kind of the at end of the 11th chapter of the 10th canto and then end of the Vimohan Lila and a few others uh this is the Sakirasa center and of course you have the five chapters of the Rasa Lila and so forth so these are like here we're going with a story and boom, we're going to really get into it right here Vatsalia Rasa we're going to go a little further and then we're going to really zoom in here on on krita punya punja what is the, the sakya rasa and sukadeva's hairs are standing on end and then we're going to the rasalila and oh, he can't even mention Radha's name he's so ecstatic hmm? so while there may be some details from other Puranas, and the Goswamis will draw upon on the details and put them in their commentaries along with the feeling that the bhagatam is seeking to and successfully conveys So, like you can read in Brahma Purana, here's the past time. This happened, this happened, verse next, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's kind of like encyclopedic, you know, it's just like like a list. It's not Mm -hmm. playing it out in in the same way and giving access to the reader to to enter into it and and extract from it the feeling. hmm? And as I say, the Goswami's books are. The Lila books are taking that lead of the Bhagavatam and taking it further and then adding the names from the other Puranas and so forth, the details that might be might not be there. And sometimes it's thought in this regard that, well, Sukadev didn't have time to cite all the names and details because he's <laughs> too busy just trying to give this, the feeling of it, something like that, a way of talking about it. So I hope that helps.
3: Oh yes, that's uh, that's ex- that was an extraordinary c- comparison uh, between the two, and I I, I never uh, realized it was that the the contrast was so dramatic like that. Thanks so much for explaining that.
0: Yes, thank you for asking. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think. Uh
1: looks like we're out of time for today
0: out of time okay nope. thank you all for your questions thank you so
1: much next week
0: we'll get together i think it's what is it the disappearance of which or... yes yeah.
1: yes next sunday Gumaraj will be giving that. a talk on shula shudder Ramaraj's okay so just stay on okay. for just a minute and we'll make some announcements mm. thank you so much
0: okay
1: yeah. um Okay. Yeah. So for next month, we have some special classes that I want everyone to note down. Um, Guru Maharaj will be speaking next Sunday. It'll be the same time as questions and answers. Um, so we won't have questions and answers. And then the um, Sunday, the 22nd of August, he'll be speaking um, on Baladev Purnima. And then Monday, the 30th, these are all the same time, 11.30 Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, Monday the 30th is um, Janmashtami, and Guru Maharaj will be speaking then. And then Tuesday the 31st, he'll be speaking um, on um appearance. So those are the upcoming classes. And then every day of the week we have class now um unfortunately it's not in the they have july's classes in this month uh, in this last um so i don't have the august classes right on hand but they're all on Shri Sangha. tomorrow is the brahmara gita that one i remember um, and that Swami will be giving that class and there are a couple new classes this this month. So check out Sri Chaitanya Sangha to see um, what that schedule is. And we'll see everybody soon. And it was wonderful having everybody on and seeing the Finland Yatra getting on. that's That was very sweet. Um, so have a great day or week, or we're telling we meet again. Hare Krishna.
3: <laughs> Hi.